0: James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And I want to thank everyone who helped us unload our U-Haul last Sunday. And I know for you that seems like seven days ago, but for Amy and I it happened in dog years. That was like 49 days ago because we've been moving in ever since. And I was super impressed that it took us two and a half days to load the U-Haul and it took you 45 minutes to unload it. So that was real good. Thank you for that help. As we've studied through the issue of prayer we've talked about why we pray, why we don't pray, how to pray more, the power of prayer with regard to forgiveness of our sins. Today I want to look more at the promises of God's word regarding prayer and hopefully these promises will uh, will spur us on to, to greater faith and more consistent prayer. And like I said, every single week, listen, your problem with prayer is not that you don't take time to do it, it's that you don't believe it works. That's why you don't pray. That's why I don't pray. If we believe that prayer works, we will pray. And just as a reminder, the Apostle Paul says that we're supposed to be constant in prayer. So if you want to do a fun fun, if you want to do a fun test for yourself, see if you can pray all the time. And every time you think about prayer, pray. So if you're driving down the road, wherever you're going by the wayside, when you tuck your kids in at night, when you get up in the morning, think about prayer and pray. And when suddenly you realize you're not praying, think about what's been on your mind. And how long has it been since you last thought of prayer? That will help you gauge where you are spiritually, what, what is on your mind and what is on your heart and what is worrying, what you are closest to, what's nearest to your heart. I want to talk to you today about the power of prayer and the prayer of the righteous, how it works. Here at the end of James, after he has given them a pretty stern letter, we'll say that, a very good letter, he says this, Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. And remember, I've said that, Prayer and praise are the same thing. Singing songs to God is prayer put to music. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church... ...and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil... ...in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person... ...and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another... ...so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being, as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain... ...and the land produced its fruit. Let's talk about prayer. The first kind of prayer that James talks about here is the power of prayer for the sick. Now this is probably the most common prayer request that we receive. It's pray for so and so, they're sick, somebody has the flu, somebody has walking pneumonia. I'm completely talking about my house right now. Somebody has cancer, somebody is having surgery. This is the request we most often get. And we're supposed to pray about it. We ought to pray for the sick. We ought to pray for their healing and for their comfort. And we ought to pray for their faith during the trial of sickness... ...because it is a very difficult time... ...and it's a time where we can draw closer to the Lord... ...as we realize that we cannot count on our bodies to save us. They will fail. And we ought to pray that during their sickness... ...that God will be close to them. But here it says that if we are sick... ...we should call on the elders to pray... For the one who is sick. That the one who is sick themselves should call on the elders to come and pray for them. And I want to invite you to do that if you're sick. And you want us to come. If you invite the elders to come pray for you, we will do it. And we'll even bring some olive oil and we'll anoint you. I don't know how it works and I don't know why. But it's not up to me to figure these things out. I don't know the exact amount. If you want us to bring a whole bottle, we'll dump dump it on you. Just a little bit on the forehead, I think we'll do it. But we will pray for you because that's what the Bible says to do. Call for the elders. We will lay our hands on you and we will pray for you if you're sick. But there's something going on here in this passage about the power of prayer and sickness that I think we need to discuss about what's going on. It says that the power of prayer for the sick, The verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick person. Now does that mean that every single time you call the elders out to your house, and we anoint you with oil and pray over you that you're going to get well? I don't think that's exactly what James means here. Because he couples this with, if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you may be healed. Now, James is dead. He's been dead now for 2,000 years. He was beaten to death, actually, thrown off a cliff. But he died, and everyone he wrote this letter to is dead, and some of them died in sickness. So James cannot possibly mean that every single time we pray over a sick person that they will be physically healed. But he does say that if they confess their sins, they will be forgiven and saved. So again, like we talked about last week in Psalm 51, the power of prayer is for salvation. The power of prayer is not only to make people well, which God does do miracles, and people do get well. Now, that's a fact. But what is most important is if you call on the elders to pray for you, we're going to have to have a consultation. Is there anything on your mind? Especially if someone is sick unto death. Is there any sin that you need to talk to us about? This will be in confidentiality. Do we need to pray for you? Do you need to confess, unburden yourself from what you have heard, what you have done? The Bible says if we do that, we'll pray for you and you'll be well. So let me ask you as I talk about this, you might not be physically sick, but you might be sin sick. And I believe actually if you live in sin, you can make yourself sick. I know that's true. Worry, stress, hiding make you sick. As we talk about this, I wonder if you need to confess today. I'm not saying this as some sort of preacherly thing to get somebody to make some sort of decision today. I have no interest in that. Not for us, not for show. I'm trying to help you. Is there something weighing in your heart you need to confess? To get right before the Lord. Confess. If you need a confessor, you can speak to any elder, anytime, any day. And if they tell anybody what you told them, unless someone is in harm's way because of it, or you are being harmed by someone, we will horsewhip them if they tell what you said. and We will publicly shame them. Your confidence will be kept with us. If you need to confess something, speak to us. Be unburdened of your sin and be made well. It's the power of prayer. Sin delights to live in shame and darkness. Confess it and be made clean. You don't have to have us to be made well from sin. You don't have to have us praying for you. But sometimes you do need help. Sometimes you need help to carry the burden. We will keep your confessions private, and we will intercede before the Lord for you. We have no power other than prayer. (laughs) But that is a very ironic statement because prayer of your brothers and sisters is powerful. And if you can't go to an elder, go to one of our go to a lady if you can't speak to one of the men, go to one of the ladies. They would be glad to pray for you, to keep your confidence. Beth Ann or Lisa, any of our Titus two women, speak to them. Talk to them if you need help. And we can bring healing through prayer. So there's power in prayer. I want to go back and say that it is for the sick God can make us well. He can make us well both spiritually and physically. And if you want us to pray for you to be well, we will do it. And just because you're sick doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. That is for sure. It doesn't mean your faith is bad. It doesn't mean you're carrying some secret sin. Nothing like that. We do not teach that. We believe that to be, in the spiritual word, hogwash. That's just garbage. Everyone gets sick. Everyone dies. So if you want us to pray for you in your sickness, that you'll be well, we will do that because James makes a promise here through the power of the Spirit that there is power in the prayer of your elders, there's power in the prayer of others if we pray with faith. Maybe if you've been really sick, and I believe here it's talking about a sickness that you're scared you might not get well from. That's a good time to be talking about spiritual things in the what's going on next and how we can help you prepare if the Lord doesn't raise you up. So there's power in prayer for the sick and there is power for forgiveness. What sort of things, as I mentioned before, might you need help if you're carrying sin? And you might need to call the elders. What are some things that you might say, hey, I need help? Because like I said, you can go to the Lord and be forgiven. You don't have to have us intercede for you, but it is helpful to have others who pray with you and for you. If you have addiction, if you have an addiction issue, why don't you talk to somebody about it so we can help you and pray for you? Stop living alone in that sin and confess it. This is the sort of thing that James is talking about. I'm not pulling this out of nowhere. When he says, confess your sins to one another, if you are living with some sort of addiction to some sinful thing... Speak to us and we will help you. And if we can't help you, besides prayer, we will point you to someone who can. Confess and seek help, and we are here for you and we want to help you. And the power of prayer, the prayer of the righteous, avails much, it says here. It's powerful. You can be set free from sin and you can be made healed from it. You can be made well. You can be set free from the sin of doubt. You can be set free from drugs. You can be set free from pornography or any other sin that vexes you. And when I say set free, I don't mean you'll never be tempted again. Don't don't hear that. It doesn't mean, hey, I went to Brad. He prayed for me about this addiction. Now I'm fine. Because that's not what prayer is. It can be that we get set free, but in prayer, we fight. That's what prayer is. We are fighting. And we have to fight every day. To be set free from the sin which besets us. And when you ask us to pray, when you ask me to pray, we fight for you and with you. It's always helpful to have a friend if someone jumps you. Two verses one is better than one versus one. In my math, or three, or four, we are not here to judge, we are here to fight for you and with you. That's what prayer is. Our weapons are not made of willpower and discipline. That is not the Christian power of willpower and discipline. You may not have willpower or discipline. It's not our power anyways. Our prayers, our prayer is our power, and our faith is the victory. We pray, we trust God, and we fight through prayer. Every day until we die, constant In season and out. This is what prayer is for. You come, you confess, we'll fight. Together, not against one another. So that you can be set free. That is our weapon. Never stop believing. Never stop trusting God. Because God can and will deliver you from your sins. Even fight for you every day. So if you have something that's in your heart and you need unburdening, confess and be set free. Don't hide. We are not here to judge you. We're here to help you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And anyone who judges you for your confession has not yet themselves understood their own depth of depravity and their own need for help. There is power for forgiveness in prayer. There is power for prayer for the sick. And there is supernatural power in prayer for the community, for the nation. It says here that Elijah was a person just like you and me. who had a nature exactly like ours. When, the, when James says he has a nature like ours, it means Elijah was a sinner. Just like everyone else. I read someone uh, put a thought out the other day. I was thinking about Elijah. You remember, Elijah had that great moment of prayer where he confronted the worshipers of Baal. One of the greatest... Uh, this is a great story in the Bible. you read reading through your Bible in a year. Eventually, you'll get out of Leviticus and you'll get there. It'll be wonderful. Hang in there. You'll get to King sometimes calls all the worshipers of Baal to cut up their sacrifices, right? And he says, you pray to your God and I'll pray to mine. And whoever's God is God will answer with fire, right? The prophets of Baal, one of my favorite parts, they're running around dancing, hollering to their God, and Elijah is trash-talking them. He says, hey, maybe if you'll yell a little louder, Baal might hear you. Perhaps he's off on a journey. Perhaps he's gone to relieve himself and can't hear you. Elijah, prophet of trash talk. Kept doing that. And then when it came to be the hour of sacrifice in the middle of a great drought, remember he pours 12 buckets of water over his sacrifice, gets on his face and says, Lord, show Israel that you are God. And fire falls from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the stones of the altar, everything's burned up. He says, hey... Grab your sword and kill these useless prophets of Baal. He slaughter them. And then he hears that Jezebel's going to kill him, and he runs off and hides. It's so amazing. He was just like you, just like me. He just won this great victory, and he runs off, and he hides. And this is what I read this week. He runs away, and he says, Lord, I'm the only one left. Nobody else loves you. All the prophets have been killed. And the Lord says, Have some food. Take a nap. (laughs) That's good. Sometimes you need to have some food and take a nap. When you wake up, things will be better. Jesus, I mean, Jesus, it would not have been Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, Look, I've still got 8,000 that I have prevented from bowing the knee and kissing Baal. You're not the only one. Come on. Wake up. Go talk to Ahab. Tell him it's about to rain. That's a good story. Why did Elijah pray it wouldn't rain? So it sounds like it's raining now. If y'all have been praying for no rain, the Lord hath said no. (laughs) Why would Elijah pray for rain? I mean, for no rain. He did eventually pray for rain. Why did he pray for no rain? To show everybody he was awesome? No. Elijah had been reading God's Word and said if the people were disobedient, he wouldn't bring rain in the land, right? And Elijah got before the Lord and said, Lord, please keep your promises. Don't let it rain. Why? so that they'll know you're God. Don't let it rain, not just for the sake of signs and wonders, but so that the people will become desperate and look to you to bring the rain, so that they will know you are God. That is the power of prayer. The aim of Elijah was not to show off miracles. The aim of Elijah was for the people to know that the Lord is God and He is the only God. And that's why he went on his face before the altar when the priests of Baal were ...jumping around and acting crazy... ...and he said, Lord, show them you are God. It wasn't just so he could have a, a fire show. It was so that the people would go... God is God and there is no other. And that's exactly what they said. And that is the power of prayer. When James reminds us here that Elijah prayed that there would not be rain in the land and there was no rain. And when he prayed there would be rain, there was. The reason he reminds us of that is because we should be praying like Elijah that God would show himself to be God. That's why in the next verse he says, If any of you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's why we pray like Elijah. Not just so it won't rain, but so that people will know that God is God and there is no other. He will do it. We don't pray just for the miracle itself, but so that God might be glorified and praised. If God does miracles along the way, praise the Lord. But the purpose of the miracle is not the thing itself. The miracle is a sign pointing to God saying, He is God and there is no other. And That's why we pray for the sick. We don't pray for the sick. Now, I want them, I already said we pray for the sick, that they'll be comfortable. We pray that they'll get well. But it's not just so that they'll be comfortable and well, but so that people will know that God is God. And so that the sick person will know that God is God and that He is close and He is their comfort even when the flesh fails. That God is still God. That they can remember with Martha that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That's the comfort, comfort we have to offer through prayer. When I pray for one of the Lord's servants to get well, I pray, Lord, raise them up and get them well so that they can serve you and tell everyone I was sick and God made me well. Give me your testimony. The Lord who heals us of all our sickness. Supernatural power in prayer. And again, like I said, this is the reason that we're praying or not praying It's not because we don't have enough time in the morning. The reason we're not praying is because we don't believe that there's supernatural power in prayer. And I'm saying it that bluntly so you'll remember and so that we won't be able to skirt around and say, well, I'm not praying because I'm so busy. I'm not praying because this. I'm not praying because this. The Bible says we don't pray because we don't believe. James said that. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't ask because you don't believe. And when you do ask, you ask him so that you can spend whatever he gives you on your selfish desires. James is even meaner than me. He's telling the truth. And the reason I know this is because I'm a sinner too in nature just exactly like Elijah. And I will confess to you today, when I don't pray, it's because I don't believe God. That is the sad truth. My prayer life is empty, or when it is empty... It's because I don't believe that God will hear me. I don't believe that he will do it. I ask him because if I believe that, I would. Because I will tell you this. If any of you were transported to a magical fantasy world and you could rub a lamp and a genie come out and offer you three wishes, you would not hesitate. First thing you'd wish for is a thousand more wishes, right? I want a thousand more wishes. And the genie said, okay, boy, you would be racking up all day long thinking about wishes now, God is not your genie in the lamp, but He has promised to hear and, and hear and answer every single prayer you ask for. As long as we ask it for the upbuilding of His kingdom and for His glory, He will do it. Show off Jesus. Sweetest prayers you can pray. How can you pray to the Lord with supernatural power? Lord, teach me to love. Teach me to love. For you've said in your word that love is the greatest. Teach me to love as Christ has loved. That's a prayer that honors the heart of God and he will answer. I was talking to someone the other day. I was thinking through prayer and they said, out of the blue, I don't know why. People say stuff around preachers. As a preacher, I don't ever pray for patience. You've heard people say this. It's a pet peeve of mine. I don't put up with it. I don't pray for patience. I said, you better start. Because if you don't learn patience, you will not learn a single other virtue that God has to offer. And if you think that praying for patience will bring you trial, I got another word for you: you're going to go through trial, and you better go through it with patience. Pray for patience; honors the heart of God. We're supposed to be a long-suffering people. Why don't you ask Him for patience? Because you're going to need it. Pray for patience. Pray that God will make you loving. Pray that God will make you faithful and humble. Pray that God will never let you forget who you were and who you've become. He said, We're very forgetful. We forget who we were. We forget who we would be without Him. We forget who we're becoming through Him. Pray that God remind you. Like the psalmist said, Lord, help me to number my days rightly, know that I am but dust on the earth. Pray that God will remind you of that. Our time is so short. Remind me, Lord, I don't have time to be wasting it on worldly things. Help me be concentrated on you. These are powerful prayers. Not just, I want this thing, I want that thing. Those are things we can bring to the Lord too. But God is first concerned with your character. And all these other things be added to you. Take... Your prayers and your concerns to the Lord in prayer, asking for wisdom. James tells us, if you like wisdom, ask him for it. Every single one of you, I'm sorry to say, lacks wisdom. <laughs> Me too. We are not wise. Ask Him for wisdom. Make us wise, Lord, please help us. We don't know what to do. We get in a situation we don't know what to do. we don't know what to say. Should I say something, should I not say something? If I say something, how should I say it? When should I say it? What do we do? Give us wisdom, Lord, supernatural power in this. Give us hearts of empathy so we can relate to others, so we can care to pray for the sick, so we can care about others if they come and they confess in. Instead of being judgmental, we can say, "Oh, Oh, brother, sister, let me help you carry your load. It's beautiful. It's true Christianity. Breeds deep faith. And change. If only we would learn to pray. And we will learn to pray if we learn to believe God. Jesus himself, this is Jesus' words, John's Gospel, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. What else do you need? And he said, look, if one of your kids asks for bread, you won't give him a stone. Would you do that to your kids? The Lord won't do that to you. And if you ask for a stone and you need bread, he'll give you bread and not the stone. He'll hear you. He knows you're going to ask for dumb stuff that will hurt you. He'll still say no. He'll give you what you really need. You'll be like the beggar at the beautiful gate. This is what your prayer life's going to be like. You ready? There's a lame man sitting at the beautiful gate. He asked John and Peter for some silver because he thought that's what he needed. I need some silver. I'm hungry. I ain't got nothing to eat, and I can't work. I'm lame. Thought he needed money. This is your prayer life. Lord, this is what I need. Help me, Lord. This is what I need. The Lord sees you there begging at the beautiful gate. Peter said, brother, we don't have any silver and gold. But what we do have, we we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. The man needed to be healed what he needed. He thought he needed silver. He got what he needed, but not what he asked for. It's going to be you, too. You're going to be like the man, the lame man at the beautiful gate asking for silver when you need to be healed. And he will do it. Because he's a kind, compassionate father. And you might be unfortunate. You might be unfortunate because you're asking for silver all the time and you're never getting it. But He's blessing you with all these other things you never asked for, and you are under the delusion that God's not answering your prayers. I've been asking God for silver for 14 years, and He's never given me a single dime. And yet He has prospered you and healed you in so many other ways and so many other things under His providence, and you haven't noticed a single one, because all you can think about is that you need silver. Oh. Our prayer life might be a laugh track in heaven. I don't think the Lord will mock us, but if you could go back, if I could go back, think about the things which I prayed for as a young believer and I thought God wasn't listening and the whole time he was serving me with graciousness and kindness and not giving me all the dumb stuff I asked for (laughs) and giving me what was best. So kind. Kind. You can be assured that there is power in prayer to change you. Your prayers are not to change God. He does not change. He doesn't need any good ideas from you. He does, you've never had a single idea that the Lord went, Oh, I never thought about that. I should probably do it." you say. That's so very wise and smart. He already knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows what you need when you don't ask Him for it. We're not giving God ideas. He's changing us through prayer. We're, he's, he's saying, "Here is my agenda. Here's yours. I'm trying to make your agenda on with mine, and as we grow in Christ, our prayers begin to align with His, and then we start seeing real fruit. At least he starts giving us what we ask for and has to stop and can stop giving us things we didn't ask for because we know what we're supposed to need. We know what we need and we know what we need to do. So brothers and sisters, today in James chapter 5, we're going to learn these things. Listen, there's power for the sick in prayer. There is power for forgiveness in prayer. And there is supernatural power for our world through prayer. The world will change if we ask God to change it. For the sake of His Son and His glory, which He earned on the cross, pray really the only weapon we have but it is mighty for the casting down of strongholds and overthrowing of nations it is mighty use it and wield it by faith in prayer we fight let's go to the lord in prayer father we ask this morning that you will be with us your people That you will help us to be ever mindful of your presence and that we will be always, Lord, like little children looking to your face for provision. That every time something occurs to our mind, we think to ask you about it, to pray about it.